Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are talking vampires. We are talking Nostarafu. We are talking (laughs) Robert Eggers' Nostarafu. The guest is, we can hear her, Mary Beth McAndrews. How's it going? Hi, that's great. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Mary Beth has been here a couple times before. She is the Dread Central Editor-in-Chief, my boss. Mary Beth, how's it going? Can you reintroduce yourself for the Development Hell audience? I can. So, like Josh said, I am the editor-in-chief of Dread Central. That's pretty cool. I work with Josh. Mm -hmm. He's our managing editor. I have been writing about horror for a long time, and I love it very much. And I really love vampires. And I'm very excited to talk about this because it's vampires and German expressionism, and it's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I had never seen Nosferatu before. No, I have never seen Nosferatu before today. Had you ever seen it before? Yeah, but a long time ago, so I remembered nothing. Okay, so we've been refreshed, and I'm excited to jump into it. Today we're going to discuss a couple of things. We're going to hit up Nosferatu, the 1922 film. Ooh, we're going to talk about <laughs> Dracula, the novel, but probably not. Maybe Mary Beth is going to talk to us about German expressionism. I think I want to get into a little bit about the Nosferatu. I cannot say. I'm never going to be able to say the title of this movie. It's so incredible. just like, stop judging me, okay? Until mm-hmm. you judge yourself, um, Glasshouse. I do that every day. Yeah. <laughs> 
Off the, no. to a banger start. <laughs> this is going good. The, oh, I'm so sad for tomorrow, Josh editing this. Hi, Josh. Uh, yeah, the Nosferatu cinematic legacy. What does that mean? I want to talk a little bit about Robert Eggers, not because I know much about him, but because I want to learn from you, Mary Beth. Oh, and then oh yeah, yeah. And then last but not least, we're gonna get real deep into the Robert Eggers Nosferatu remake that has yet to see the light of day. Would it be cool? If I gave like a little seminar on the original Nosferatu film. Please. I would absolutely love a little seminar about this movie. Well, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror, Mm -hmm. was a 1922 silent German expressionist horror film directed by F.W. Murnau. It was also starring Mr. Max Schreck as Count Orlock, a vampire. We have the Rife character played by Greta Schroeder. And uh, the estate agent played by Gustav von Wagenheim. That sounds mm-hmm. right. That sounds right. So this was a film produced by Prana Film and was a very unauthorized, very unofficial <laughs> adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was a ballsy, just complete ripoff, complete hijack. I guess I respect that, but they did get their comeuppance a little bit down the road. So because it was such an illegal crime <laughs> um they had to change some of the character names from the dracula book so they instead of count dracula we've got count orlock okay speaking. but i will say orlock is a really good name i was thinking it could be a good drag name would be count horlock what oh do you think my about? god that came oh to me earlier today i was like, <laughs> i love that and those, you always have to kind of commit to the aesthetic but why wouldn't you want to anyways Oh, I already have. Uh, oh, oh man! <laughs> you can also use it for any kind of burlesque performance if you want. I was going to say I, I love doing you. sexy horror burlesque, so I might have to steal that. Oh my god, I would love for you to do Count Horlock. I won't even sue you like the Stoker State sued this film. So yeah, as I was saying, the Stoker State absolutely sued this adaptation, and due to a court ruling, basically all or a whole bunch of copies of this film were completely destroyed. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it was almost eradicated from cinema history. Luckily, a few copies ended up surviving, and the film came to be regarded as a true masterpiece. That's what a wild history. I know. They're just like, we don't care. We're just going to steal it. Maybe no one will notice. The internet doesn't exist yet, right? How, how will anyone ever know? They found out. Have Burn you ever them. read the book? Wild. Yeah, I've read Dracula. Have you? Oh, yes. I have. It's a spooky, spooky affair. I love Dracula 2, the sequel. No, just kidding. And I also, it's my favorite Universal Monster movie. It's so, I find oh, it scary. Yeah. Can I go on a mini yeah. tangent about Dracula's found I'm footage? I'm ready. Are you oh, ready for yes, this? Yes, we're, we're prepared. Okay. So Dracula is an epistolary novel, which means it is told through a series of letters. It's not written like... A normal narrative book it's written through a series of letters where you know mina harker and jonathan are corresponding about what's going on in their lives and the epistolary novel is a precursor to found footage because again you're reading documents discovered documents compiled into a volume so it's like you're re-watching events unfold in front of you like in a found footage movie so i just think it's really cool that we had a version of this kind of like peak voyeuristic peeking into some like people's lives in horror before there was even the kind of uh, the subgenre in film. That's super cool. I never put two and two together, but so not Salem's Lot by Stephen King, but he wrote an, a short story in the same sort of universe as yeah. Salem's Lot. I think it was a prequel called Jerusalem's Lot was the name of the short 
story. Night shift, I think. Yes. And it does exactly what you're talking about. I believe it's all through letters. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. And I think they made it into a TV show last year called Chapel Wait. Did you watch it? Oh, I didn't watch it, but that, yes, I remember it. Mm hmm. Adrian Brody. Yes. um, I'm okay with him. I'm very okay with him. I think he's hot. I think he's so hot. (laughs) Do you? Do you think I could, like, give a little bit of a spiel about what Nosferatu the film was about? Oh, yeah. Could Sorry. I, I didn't mean to Would interrupt. That... I just wanted to no, jump I'm into glad the novel that you did. before. But we yes. needed to get something interesting within all of this highbrow knowledge. 1838 in a fictional German town where this character by the name of Thomas Hutter is sent to Transylvania by his employer to visit a client by the name of Count Orlock who plans to buy this home across from Hutter's own house. It's a setup that we see a lot in, like, gothic horror. It reminds me, because I just rewatched recently The Woman in Black. Doesn't it kind of have, like, basically the same premise? Are you familiar with that one? No, I don't think it does, though. Well, kind of like a shared trope of, like, young city gentlemen getting sent off to the spooky. Oh, 100%. It's always, like, this guy who is, Mm -hmm. like, a step above sick Victorian child. And he's yeah, always like yeah. about to be married to the woman of his dreams, who's like kind of out yes. of his league. And he's hot though. I feel like he's they, always so hot. Hunter's <laughs> hot in this movie. Did you feel that way? I thought he, yeah, I thought he was cute. Listen, luscious eyeballs, luscious hair, beautiful man. Um, and there was another beautiful man cast eventually in the Robert Eggers remake. And we're gonna have to get to that eventually <laughs> oh, because because it's a casting choice that i find especially bizarre for eggers but we'll get there we'll get there calm down yeah so basically hutter goes out to transylvania goes to the spooky castle on a hill there's a scary guy with like big eyeballs and a scary nose and scary fingers and he's like i guess i'll sleep here and then of course the guy with the scariness like bites him in the night and is like oops i'm a vampire for some reason they got on a boat together and they go back home and then the spooky man that may be an allegory for Jewish people will get there, um, bites his wife, then explodes because of sunshine, and then everything's everything's okay. Was that accurate? Yeah, I think that was accurate. That was accurate. I feel good about it. There was a remake. Are you familiar with this in 1979? Did you know yeah, about the, this? Yeah, the Werner Herzog one. Yes. And the poster art for this 1979 remake, also a German film, as you said, by Herzog, that's the art that I kind of always had imprinted in my yes! mind. Do you know that? Pl- yeah. I was looking on Shutter like to watch mm-hmm. it and I was I forgot about the Herzog one and they have both of them on Shutter and I was like shit. Mm-hmm. The what the Herzog poster is the one I always think of, but it, it, I don't know why. I think it's just so iconic and it's so bright it's so iconic. and striking. It's so good. Oh, it's so, so striking good. and it looks like it could be from 1922. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we grew up our whole lives maybe assuming that that was a poster for the 1922 film. Absolutely, it is not. Do you mind if I jump into German Expressionism I for would a love it if, if you would. Cool. So German Expressionism is a obviously German um, artistic movement that took place like before World War – I think between World War One and World War Two. So it started in like the 1920s and it was like – a a re- reaction to like uprising fascism and a way of rejecting societal norms and kind of no longer portraying things with realism, but taking the world and warping it into something uncanny and strange. So 
you know, if you've ever seen The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is another classic German expressionist film, that's very much that with like all the buildings are in weird perspectives and look very sharp. And there's a lot of like very dark under eye makeup to like really emphasize eyes and like kind of play into the horror. And Mm -hmm. German expressionism was basically like the introduction of how to use shadows in a really fascinating way. And I think it's like, it is obviously like, from th- from then on, we've seen how lighting is now used in horror, and like, German expression mm-hmm. has a lot, takes can take a lot of credit for how we how horror decided to use lighting and use it in such an effective way. Um, Very cool, yeah. It's and, like, really kind cool. of forced perspective for like really weird narrow alleys and mm-hmm. just like messing with your brain in a kind of yeah gothic way. Do you remember when you first encountered German expressionism? Did yeah, it, was there like a first moment yeah so in college i took a horror film class um which was really cool um my sophomore year of college and we watched the cabinet of dr caligari and that that one is like the most quintessential german expressionism film nosferatu is too but it pl- it's like a little bit more it isn't it's not totally like forced perspective and like totally creepy at first mm-hmm. so but yeah what have you were you familiar with it at all only, I mean, yes, I was familiar with it through definition, and I had okay. seen Caligari. But okay. other than that, it was just like something people would say around me, and I didn't have a lot of <laughs> understanding. Although I did know, I'm ashamed to admit it at this point, but I'm a big Tim Burton fan, and I did know that German Expressionism is basically, you know, where he was born from. There would oh, be yeah. no Tim Burton without. Uh, German expressionism like you it's just so hand in hand are you a Tim Burton person yeah I know well listen we can like I think we can give a little bit of time to talking about Tim Burton right now because I think it's sort of where German expression led in the popular culture today why for someone that might not know why are we being so coy about the topic of Tim Burton Why, why is he embarrassing now well, he's embarrassing because he, this is the comment I always think about. It was like, I base my movies off of my dreams and in my dreams, it's only white people. So why would I put people of color in any of my movies? Mm-hmm. Like a direct yes. response to people being like, why are your movies so white? It's very <laughs> fucked up. It's a very fucked up comment. And also like, your dreams suck, buddy. You know, I, I don't know. Also, he said some pretty fucked up stuff on about race in his films. I remember he had a quote about how in black exploitation, no one is pressured to use white actors. So why should he have to like use people of color? And he, like, his logic is very racist and also confusing. So he's a problematic favorite at this point in time. And it's, yeah. Also, like his really most recent movies have all sucked anyway. <laughs> When was the last time Tim Burton made a good movie? I've got an answer. I'm wondering if you have one too. Or would you like me to say mine? You say yours. It's got to be Big Fish. It's got to be yeah, Big Fish in 2003. Yeah. Because what was after because, Big Fish? Well, we had like Sweeney Todd, which for me was a no. Oh, I liked Well, it's it's not good, but I really, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. If I, I find it's like kind of like polarizing more so than most of the recent work, which is just a no. Like, we also had Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, big time no. Um, although, you know, yeah, big time no. There was also Alice in Wonderland and all uh. of, like, Dumbo and the weird Disney movies. Oh, I guess yeah. Big Eyes wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. There was a good Lana Del Rey song in there. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but like oh god everybody did dark shadows oh he ruined dark shadows that was terrible and on paper like it made sense to have him do it i i'm a big dark shadows fan so i was really i was really disappointed when that came out because yeah. oh and doctor the parrot home Parajine home oh, for Ms. peculiar Par- bitches. Yeah. That was not for me. Uh, Eva Green is so fucking hot too, and that movie ruined it. But is she interesting? Because like I can't think of a single movie where I was oh, like, I was really taken by from her. Yeah. Oh my god, like, what's a movie that she's interesting in? Well, she she's incredible in Penny Dreadful, that horror series right. in Showtime. She's the I've main character. Oh, I'm obsessed. And like Josh Hartnett is in it as like a sexy <laughs> well, yeah. werewolf. It's just like uh, it's a, a bisexual dream. Yeah, I mean that 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 time that, that duo is a bisexual cornucopia right there. It is very beautiful. <laughs> it is a bisexual cornucopia. That is exactly that is exactly <laughs> it. Oh my god, we I should do a list for work about uh best bisexual pairings in horror movies. Anyway. Oh, I like that because honestly, you could just put anything you wanted to as long as you backed it up properly. Because yep, it's vague time. enough that <laughs> you could do anything. I like it. People really and also like I, it. They'll really understand I, it. <laughs> I should probably cut this, but like now it's my mission to do more sex stuff. So oh, that fits right into that for me. Oh my god, I'm so, so glad. I'm so excited. I love ugh. yeah. Sexy horror <laughs> is the shit. Okay, and speaking of sexy horror, Bram Stoker's Dracula. We've talked about this mm-hmm. a million times, like one on one. But Bram Stoker's mm-hmm. Dracula, the 1992 film by Francis Ford Coppola, is the sexiest movie and horror movie of all time. It's and so I will sexy. Defend that until the end of days. And everyone always complains and complains about Keanu Reeves in that movie because I guess his accent is inconsistent or something. It's not good. (laughs) But he's so sexy. He's so sexy that he's the crazy foursome with the wives and it's so weird. Yeah, and like that role is fluff. That role is twink fluff. So like honestly at the end of the day, who cares? Let him be. Let him be his twink. Oh Oh my god, I saw on the internet a term that really repulsed me. And I'd never heard before, which is twonk, which is like a, t- <laughs> you know, automatically what it, what it stands yes. for. Yes. <laughs> uh, someone's called someone's dad a twonk. I forgot. It was, Ooh. it was really upsetting for me, um, which I am not. I am twonk. I'm twonk. Anywho. Um, yeah. I, I want to take three seconds to talk about Dracula as a thing because that adaptation. So incredible. Probably, uh, probably my favorite incarnation of Dracula. I agree. It's, it's so good. Another personal favorite Dracula, I guess, moment or product out there. My one of my favorite musicians of all time, Mr. Philip Glass, like kind of minimalist composer, I guess, did like rescored the Universal. Dracula film and then they re-released it with oh my god it is if you're out there if you're out there and I know you are find the Philip Glass Dracula score it's gonna make you feel spooky and it's gonna make you feel cute and you're gonna be walking around and you're gonna think "Mm, like I'm I'm spooky and I'm cute listen to it it's really good I love the vibe I love I I love being spooky and cute yeah I (laughs) which you often are you're Mm -hmm. off you're often pairing the two so. Thank you. 
Wow. Um, any other like Dracula moments that that like stood out to us in our in our upbringing, or parodies, adaptations, okay. anything that like right. comes to you? I just love vampires. I just think about all the <laughs> vampire too. movies I watched, like Dracula. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like the Bram Stoker one, which I saw at the age of like thirteen, which was inappropriate. Perfect. Um, no, it's perfect. I think that's the biggest one for me, honestly. That's. Um, I'm rewatching Buffy right now, which I recommend for anybody that's maybe thinking about doing that. In uh, on their season five premiere, they do like a whole Dracula moment. Oh, Any Buffy cool. fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they didn't do it well though. Sorry, oh. sorry, Buffy. By the time you're at a season five of anything, like people are tired. Okay, it's true. Do- people are doing their best. They're waking up early, but we're they're tired. And I, and I respect that. <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to get. Now I'm scared. Now I'm getting nervous. But I brought it up to one on one before this, and I think that I do want to dip into this a little bit because as I was watching Nosferatu today and doing some research on it, as a as like a constantly suspicious paranoid Jew, I was looking at it and I was thinking, is this like? allegory for Junus? Anytime something from this era has a character with like a big crooked hook nose who's also kind of bald. And it's scary. It freaks me out. Also, whenever they're like... Half of his plot is he's like selling and buying property, which is like also a very... (laughs) I don't know. Classically. Right? It's isn't it? Like like he's like investing and stuff. And so I was like, is this is there some kind of weirdness with Judaism here? Because I don't know if the listeners know I am Jewish myself, so I always kind of have an ear to the ground when it comes to anti-Semitism. And it does seem like nothing is official, but there's a lot of speculation that Nosferatu and also subsequently the novel Dracula might be tackling the issue of the other and have possibly anti-Semitic undertones. So you're seeing this with um, the character's appearance. He's got long claw-like fingernails. He's got the hooked nose, large bald head. This is sort of what the stereotypes of the Jewish mm, caricature were around this time. And so it's kind of hard to believe that it was completely separated from this. You said yeah. to me though that um, the director of this film is known to have not have not been a Nazi. Can you <laughs> tell me a little bit more about that, or do you not have? And I can cut that out. No, I'm just a little bit like it, it seemed like he had like he. I think a couple of the actors he works with were Jewish, and mm-hmm. he was said to be like friendly with Jews. And you know, no, this is no, this no, is quotes, quotes, <laughs> truly, like, no explicit. Yeah. You know, like when you in this period is like right is like very much in the beginning of World War One. Like, I mean, of not World War One, but like the fascist rise in Germany and the, mm-hmm. like, the Nazis. And so, mm-hmm. I'm. I guess I'm. <laughs> my, one question is like, how prevalent were those images 
before this this time period because i actually i don't mm. know like what i don't know either because I this is that, maybe like, a little early too so like, that's what i was wondering like uh-huh. when what's well, like the timeline because i cannot fucking remember because obviously i know there's a ton of horrific jewish propaganda in that time period but i'm, I'm sure it was bad this yeah. might be a minor pre like it might be a precursor but like by a very close margin so it's kind of hard to divorce the two but i have a feeling that he didn't realize what he was doing which is hard to believe it may have been subconscious early it was early enough and like the propaganda about that stuff maybe yeah and maybe it truly was undertones like maybe he like even within his own like subconscious it was an undertone um as you were saying there was this writer by the name of kevin jackson who unquote says that the director murnau was friendly with and protective of a number of Jewish men and women throughout his life. And I'm like, okay, I guess good for him. And this guy also notes that this director was homosexual and then kind of jumps to the conclusion on quote, would be presumably more sensitive to the persecution of a subgroup inside the larger German society. And what I have to say to that is as a homosexual myself, some of the most hateful nightmarish (laughs) frightening entities I've ever met have been gays so I don't know if being a gay is necessarily going to make you sympathetic to the plight of other mm, discriminated groups but maybe at this time maybe we were working together who knows I I looked up Jewish propaganda history so sorry to RIP to my church history because I was curious (laughs) Uh-huh. A lot of it started in 1933. Oh, down the, the 10 years later. Yeah. And again, I am not what? disagreeing that this could, like, mm-hmm. about that interpretation. I was just more curious about, like, that era. Well, I, yeah, I the root of it. I'm not familiar with, like, that era of history. I It makes me yeah. sad. It's just, like, so stupid, but I, it's just a lot. I don't know. There, there's truly no basis for it. And, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I have no basis for feeling this way, but I feel this way. And then immediately, like, the internet was, we were, everyone on the internet was like, we also have no, nothing to back this up, but we feel this way too. So that's Mm. kind of the energy. And I think it's just due to the, the appearance and I guess also the profession of Count Orlock. Yeah. 100%. Because especially now when we have all that information, it's like, Hmm, but I wonder, Ooh, I don't know if this is weird to say, but I wonder if like even Nosferatu could have been inspiration for some of that stuff. Oh, wow. That like, I mean, snake eating its tail to some degree, but maybe. Again, I I have no real basis to back that up at all, but. But who's to say like, just because the intention from the artist wasn't there that like, certain people can't invent it afterwards and say, like, come to their own conclusions and and maybe want to read anti-Semitism in it. And then, like, because they're anti-Semitic, it's hard to say for sure what was going on back then. But Germany was facing 20 rocky years ahead. So nothing is impossible. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, a lot lot going on in Germany. Um, But they did give us German expressionism. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. There's so much more we can or could or would talk about with Nosferatu. But 
I don't know. I kind of feel like getting to the main event, which is the Robert Eggers remake, because oh. this motherfucker has been in the works for seven long years and Jesus still has Christ. not. I know. Seen the light of day. Um, Before I pitched you this topic, I'm assuming you knew that Robert Eggers had his hat in the ring for a Nosferatu film? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, How did you feel about that when you found out? How did that was, feel to you? I was really excited, actually. I I feel like he is the person I'd want to make a Nosferatu movie because mm. the movies he has made are so, like, strike the tone of the time period so well. And he's so extensive with his research in terms of costuming and, like, language and the aesthetic but it's also so full of dread and Nosferatu is terrifying mm. like a plague is just like wrecking people's lives and everything and I really think he could do that modernized look at that okay kind of... hold up who is Robert Eggers who okay. is this girl I don't know Who's... I've never seen who no, is I've, she I've seen one Robert Eggers movie oh so my God. yeah who is Robert Eggers I'd love to know so Robert Eggers is one of these like he's in like the kind of same level as like Ari Aster, like the A24, like elevated horror boys that kind of burst into the scene in like 2016, 2017. Um with his what it was oh when was the witch? The witch I think was 2015, maybe even a little earlier. 2015. Okay. I have no mm-hmm. sense of time. I have like literally no sense of time. Yeah, before. yeah. All I, I just realized that today, because the very first mention of this Nosferatu remake was July. 2015 and that was after the witch had already come out or or was was, in the process of coming out the witch was the witch was 2015 yeah so so long ago i know but that was his first movie that was like so fucking creepy and it's set in the um like 1700s america so (laughs) i was gonna say the woods (laughs) the woods yes but um a very crazy Religious families cast out into the creepy woods and things go awry. And then we have the lighthouse, Mm -hmm. which is two men trapped in a lighthouse are kind of gay together. A lot of farting. And it's again, like four by three aspect ratio, black and white. Period. Do they like ever kiss or anything? Like, do we get anything? Almost. They like have a lot of like very tender moments where they embrace together. Okay. And dance. Would um, I like it? You know me better than anyone at this point. <laughs> Should, would I like the lighthouse? Um, I think you would appreciate it. I don't know if you would love it. Okay. I liked the witch, like solid B plus for Josh. Then you're not going to like the lighthouse. Oh, interesting. I don't think. I don't know. I I like the lighthouse, but I love the witch better. But then he also just did the Northman that just came out a couple weeks ago. Which is, again, (laughs) another period-specific movie, Vikings, but this is by Focus Features, and it had a huge budget. Like, bigger than he's had before. Mm -hmm. Bigger than he's had before. And it's really good. It's like a Viking revenge epic that it's just, wow, chef's kiss. I would say that's a good summation of Mr. Eggers. I always get his name wrong. I always call him David Eggers. And (laughs) I call him Roger. um, I'm probably... Yeah, you do. We always call him David or Roger Eggers at work, and it's always a mistake. No, <laughs> never, I like we always we've never, we've joke that, that one day we're going to talk to him and we're going to fuck up his name. He's going to be like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> no, we are, and I'm going to call it Nosterafu. 
I've never said Nosferatu right once in my life. You have a couple times. I'm really proud of you, actually. It's so hard. I'm proud. I'm what proud did I, I? I had some good fake ones for it. What was like? What was the one I? Are you? No, it was like what is nose, nose something poo. Hold on, let me find it. Yeah, please find it. It was my finest work. I've never been such a talented. I'm vamping until she finds it. Um, maybe oh, I'm overhyping it. To, to, nose to ass poo. <laughs> <laughs> It's not as good, but it also it's better. It's really good. Nose to ass. <laughs> <laughs> say it again. Nose to, nose nose to nose ass who? Ass who? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I literally just turned my computer off. Can you still hear me? <laughs> oh my god. My screen is off. I have to put in my password. What if everything's bad? You're here. Hey, it's going to be fine, actually. We're good. Everything's fine. <laughs> Oh my god, I put my password wrong. I'm never oh, gonna be no. okay. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Wow. I'm gonna scary. keep that all in for authenticity. Actually. I love it. This is the way. This is the reality this of is... podcasting. It's just 90% How... panic. Yeah, 90% panic. And um, 10% gay. Uh, how was Bjork and how was Nicole Kidman? The only two reasons I'd want to go see The Northman. Okay, so Bjork is in it for all of three minutes, but she's incredible. That's okay. She's incredible. The he- Lena Quigley of The Northman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Oh no, I I killed very bad. It was only one heartbeat away inc- from the crown. <laughs> the most incredible <laughs> joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Our audience oh. don't even know why. I know. Um, it's, I, it's, it's it's gonna like neuter the joke, but why is it funny? Uh, because Lita Quigley is a queen who appears for two seconds in so many <laughs> horror movies and like just gets a check for showing up for like literally three yeah. lines, and it's the best. Like I'm, I love that for her. It's incredible. I'm sure she doesn't show up. I'm sure she has a green screen in her garage, <laughs> and I, I, and I, I, I celebrate her. More than I celebrate almost anyone else on this planet. I I agree. I love it. Did you did you know about her like nineteen eighties like sexy horror workout videos? No. Yeah, it was like post Jane Fonda, but oh. like naked, sexy, and naked. I think to some degree as oh well. Oh my god! Oh, what a yeah. queen! What a queen! We what have to queen. find. We have to feature that. Um. Yeah. We love you. Okay. Do you feel ready? Do you feel prepared? Do you feel stable enough to 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 dip into Robert Eggers's remake of Nosferatu? Yes. So back in July of 2015, Deadline reported that Studio Eight never heard of it. What is Studio Eight? Do you what do you know I what Studio know. Eight is? Nope. Okay, so <laughs> 2015, Deadline reports that Studio Eight and Eggers were on track to produce this remake of Nosferatu. At the time, Eggers had only produced The Witch, but it definitely, like, if I was a 2015 Hollywood producer and I saw The Witch, I'd be like, give him $5 million and let's make Nosferatu. Um, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, it was reported as early as seven years ago. And according to the Deadline report, it was going to be a visceral adaptation of the 1922 silent film and bring back the horrific vampire of Eastern European folklore to the screen. We had Jay Van Hoy and Lars 
Knutson Parks and Liam. No, I'm gonna say this all again. We had Jay Van Hoy and Lars Knutson. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 the production company Parts and Labor were gonna produce. Um, so cool. And then about a year later, <laughs> okay, we can do this. We're so good. We've wait. A year later, IndieWire reported around November of 2016 that Eggers was surprised that Nosferatu was actually going to be his second film, so much so that they quoted him saying, it feels ugly and blasphemous and egomaniacal and disgusting for a filmmaker in my place to do Nosferatu next. I was really planning on waiting a while, but that's how fate shook out. What? What is wrong with this man? Um, this sounds like someone that doesn't want to make this movie and is like making weird excuses. How do you feel? It just sounds like such a pretentious <laughs> art boy thing to say. You Ugh. know what I mean? I ha- it sounds like yeah. such an excuse to be like, no one wants Blasphemous, to make this. Egomaniacal. <laughs> but he's truly a genius and has presented us some incredible movies. But he's a nerd. So well, okay, nerd. Like his whole, all of his movies are based on ridiculous amounts of research about the period and getting things like perfectly correct, and like it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. And Big like time. only a giant nerd could do that, and I respect that. And he's probably like, just like I have just poured so much shit into this movie. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna get there, but that seems to be the energy that like there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this remake. And seven years later, it doesn't seem really like it's on track to camera anytime soon. Yeah. So that was 2016. Fast forward to 2017. Fast forward to 2017 and Variety reports that the witch star, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, fresh off of the movie Split at the time, was also going to star in the Nosferatu remake, but in an undisclosed role. How do we feel about this lady? I love her. She's incredible. She is gorgeous Mm -hmm. and she is so talented. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, I'm obsessed with her too. She's just so alien, which is kind of what I'm looking for in my like, in my lady leads. I want like an alien quality. It's funny. Steve and I saw Little Northman and he was like, Anya Taylor-Joy looks like a fish. Oh yeah, she looks like a which I love that for her. A beautiful mermaid. Oh, like Aqua Marine Thunder Force Five (laughs) Thousand. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, yeah, pretty amazing. But she has to be in the right stuff. In what? Forgot she was in. Oh, in Split, she's great in Split. To what? To my memory, I did not like Split, but she was really Uh good in it. I remember thinking Split was uh what split was i guess whatever that may mean yeah it it was problematic and kind of weird and let's face it stupid but i think i was entertained what was your problem with split i just i really didn't like the end where it was like she gets saved because she went through horrific sexual abuse Ooh, i don't remember that yeah Yeah. like she survived because his the the got the character DID was basically like because you've seen trauma and terrible things like I don't need to kill you or some crazy shit like that. And I was like I don't like Ew. how that feels about like what 
being traumatized <laughs> makes you into okay, I don't know. M. Night Shyamalan. It was just like Thanks. not. It didn't just didn't feel feel good. And this is why all of these legacy filmmakers absolutely should be required to hire a female or lady identified co-writer for all of their scripts. Correct. Uh, Guillermo del Toro does this and I think it really helps. It it certainly cannot hurt, I think, at this point I, in time. I agree. So let 100%. these men continue to make movies, I guess, but like hire a lady to help them out. I'm here, guys. If you want any help, I'm happy to help. I have her email address, so just hit my DMs. <laughs> oh my god, I'm pimping you out. I love it. I'm sorry. No, I love it. Um, you got to cut. So it seems like once a year we're getting these mysterious updates on this remake. In 2019, we get another one. Speaking to Den of Geek, we get another bizarro quote from Eggers, and this time he says, "Look, I spent so many years and so much time, just so much blood on it. It would be a real shame if it didn't happen. Eventually, he also adds, but also, I don't know, maybe Nosferatu doesn't need to be made again, even though I've spent so much time on that. So this is the second time he's been quoted saying something along the lines of, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be making this movie. Or is it even appropriate for me to be making it? Yeah, it does kind of come across as excusey, though. Like, maybe he's just not feeling it. Not feeling the fantasy. Or other, he's having a hard time getting a studio to feel the fantasy. Which is weird to me, because this is before the flop of The Northman. I kind of feel like... Well, it's true. Like, this is when he was, I like, really a golden child. Not to say that he's not anymore, but he's definitely... I'm guessing he's not due to the, the, the nature of the beast. You know, you, you get in trouble if your film doesn't make money. Yeah. Um, Ugh, I'm so sad. I also think... And we'll get to this more at the end. But the fact that his recent big budget action movie didn't perform the way that people were hoping it would, it may it may be the reason that he goes back to doing smaller A24 horror movies. Yeah. It may even be the reason that Nosferatu does get made in the long run, but we'll see. Yeah. Um so there was a lot of speculation about who Anya Taylor-Joy was going to be playing. If you had to guess, who do you think it was? Do you think there's a chance it was Nosferatu? Oh, I always thought it would be, it would be Mina. Or, yeah, she mm-hmm. would be the, the lady. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I do not see Edgar's um, gender swapping the roles. Look, I love Edgar's, but I just don't, I don't think he's the person to do a gender swap Nosferatu. <laughs> Like, I just don't... I mean, I'd be happy if he did. I, I wouldn't be, like... I think I'd be excited. I just don't see him doing it. No, I don't either. He seems kind of like... Am I really off base by calling him a bit of a traditionalist? I was going to say the same thing, I think, a little bit. Yeah. So, just based on hearing him talk in interviews and his references and stuff, I think that he... Yeah, I think he would want to go a little bit closer to old school. Which is, as you're saying, I think maybe okay for someone of his elk. Speaking to IndieWire, 
he also said that this is the thing. I don't want to throw around titles because I was throwing around my titles last time. And then he insults Guillermo del Toro basically by saying something along the lines that Guillermo del Toro throws around titles for projects that he wants to make that don't end up getting made like all of the time. And he doesn't want to do that. Like if he's going to announce a title, he actually wants it to be something that's going to get made. So and he calls, shady. He calls him Saint Guillermo del Toro. Doesn't this feel shady? Yeah, it's Doesn't shady. This feel rude? What is your deal? Well, how dare you speak ill of my husband like that? Honestly, get his name out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, I, do I have to cut that? No, I don't um, think you do. <laughs> okay, but seriously, it. don't talk, don't talk ill about Guillermo del Toro. Also, if it wasn't for Guillermo del Toro, I wouldn't have thirty episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, yeah. We celebrate he the, the fact that he does this. A hundred percent, the king of development hell. Like, there's endless, endless opportunities I for love episodes that for him, featuring though, him. Honestly, I do too. It also just proves even further that like. He is me and I am him and one day I will be him. You know what I mean? Yes. So. I'm very excited for that for you. One of the most recent updates that makes it even more clear that maybe this project could be canceled was in a recent article in The New Yorker where it was disclosed that there was a very famous pop star that was cast as a lead role, if not the lead role, in Nosferatu. So in the New Yorker, Eggers basically admits that they were going to start filming in Prague and everything was ready to go. It, and at the very last second, it was halted because Harry Styles backed out at the last second. Eventually, he would go on to confess that Harry Styles was not going to be playing Nosferatu, that, that he would be playing Hutter, which I actually think is great casting. I don't know if this kid can act. I haven't seen any of his movies. He wasn't Have you, have you seen her. him act in anything? Dunkirk. Yeah. I don't know. I don't How was know he in that? Fine. I, I, there's never a world where I ever would have seen Dunkirk, so it's impossible for me to know. I only like saw it in passing because Steve was watching it. Steve loves war movies and I hate them, so <clears throat> I, was I cannot do them. Mm-hmm. But I do get the sense that this kid could be a good actor. He seems like he's got good stage presence. Does that whole David it, Bowie thing. But it's also like such a good move to like this is the world we live in like if you cast a pop star you're gonna make like so much more money because oh, everyone yeah. who knows him is going to flop like flop flop and- flock to the movie theater like, <laughs> 65 times and like we know people love harry styles I like don't- harry styles is not going away i don't understand i'm just, i don't, I don't understand i don't like dislike him i just like i stan <laughs> culture scares the shit out of me I kind of know what you mean because it's unhinged. As someone that participates in stand culture to some degree, it's like, we're violent. You are. We're not thinking straight. And I think there's trauma involved. And I can't exactly tell you to what degree. You're fucking feral creatures. Yeah, we're fucked. I think for for when it comes to Harry Styles, obviously it's all down to One Direction and like a certain generation being obsessed with One Direction as children and then not letting go and then sort of digging deep as adults with his solo career. That's so weird. (laughs) It is weird. I I want to support the Harry Styles as a person that never cared about One Direction. It just like wasn't my demo. No. I I want to support the solo career. The aesthetics are correct. It's true. And like, I feel like the moves are in the right direction, but like the music's not interesting yet. And I, w- I really want it to be. 
I like some like of watermelon like, sugar. Like what? I do, I was just listening to that song today. Actually, oh, you were. I love it's song. it's not offensive for sure. It's just it's just, like it's just it could fun. Be better. It's a good summer. It's just like a, yeah, I know. It's weird. He's like <laughs> he's like very he's very much straddling this line between being weird and very commercial, which I think is fascinating. Non-committal to gender norms, which yeah, is cool too. We- yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, I mean, I listen, have, it's, I'm it's, it's, two, it's I'm queer baiting thoughts. at its finest. Yeah, I was going to say I'm a, I'm of two thoughts there, but also like I'm okay. With he's that. introducing some stuff to people that maybe wouldn't have been exposed to like gender fluidity kind of stuff. So I mean, in that regard, I can respect it. I think that he's lucky because he's coming around at the exact point in time where it's no longer risky. And it's just kind of cool. But that's not his fault or whoever's making these decisions for him. Yeah. So, because if he was doing this, what, five years ago, it would be hugely risky and, Uh like, uh, yeah, dangerous. And it it just isn't now. Now it's just kind of high fashion to, to do, to sort of straddle that line. Yep. But I like it. I do too. So he has this new album coming out. Or maybe it is out. I, I don't think, I think it's, out, it's yet. out. Called Harry's House. I think his it is new out. album's out. I don't know if this is a complete fact, but I'm going to run with it as though it is one. One of his like first major press moments for this new album was to be on the cover of a magazine, but instead of a music magazine, he was on the cover of Home and Garden to like really push. I did see. You know that. what I mean? Yeah. So he's like yeah. in the dirt and his like feet are out. Yeah, it's like it's to to press the concept album element is like kind of ironic and kind of like kind of an artsy move, and it makes me laugh. I, I I'd be okay it. with him in this. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not anti that casting. I don't think it was. I would be surprised if Eggers came to the table saying we have to cast <laughs> Harry Styles totally or I'm out. That was like a studio decision. It was a studio decision for sure. I, um, I respect, and it that. seems. As though Harry stepping out of the picture, he says it was to do with his like scheduling conflicts. But at the end of the day, when someone blames scheduling conflicts, do we ever really believe that? I don't really. It always kind of like it could be anything, really. Yeah, Neggers isn't happy. Again, speaking with IndieWire, he's talking about how the film's fallen apart twice. <laughs> he clarifies that Harry Styles was going to be Hutter and not Nostarafu. But he also starts wondering out loud if the ghost of Murno is just telling him, stop it right now. Like, you don't have the rights to make this movie. He's getting, like, kind of spiritual with it and thinking that maybe the ghosts of the original filmmakers are sort of just getting in his way. And I know it's not really what he means, but Cursed he's films, right. season three. Cursed <laughs> films, season three. <laughs> I was actually thinking that this whole time that like could this be a cursed films episode and I guess it could be. It could why be. not, honey? <clears throat> exactly. Honey bear why newt. Okay. <laughs> um are we ready to conclude? Are we ready to go to conclusions territories? I am. I'm ready. Okay. Well then the major question for you and I think you know this cuz you've been here before. Are we going to get to see the Eggers version or not? We get to decide ultimately if it's going to happen like we're the big wigs. We have the we money, honey. Yeah. So we get to decide. So we have to be very careful with our answer. And I'm going to give this one to you. Is the Eggers version of Nosferatu ever going to happen? I think it is. I'm manifesting. Mm. I'm manifesting. You're manifesting this destiny? Yes, okay. I am. 
This is A Course in Miracles and we're going to miraculize it. Okay, cool. I just would like to see Eggers go back to horror, even though I've never ventured out of horror with him because I haven't seen The Lighthouse or The Northman. I just like, why would anyone not make horror movies? Why would you, why would you, why would you make any other genre? That's crazy to me. Come back to horror, buddy. I agree. And I think you might, especially after the last two. Yeah. Mary Beth. Hello. Hi. Hi. If you wanted to be found on the internet, where could you be found? So you can find me at mb mcandrews on twitter you can also find my podcast scarred for life at scarred podcast mm-hmm. my other podcast is currently on hiatus watched once never again which is at wona w-o-n-a podcast and of course dread central at dread central dread central what's that never heard of her crazy number one horror so- publication on the internet baby yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, certainly not number two. Never number two. Never Only number, number two. one. Okay. Never, never Numero heard of Never Uda. heard of number two. <laughs> Something, and obviously everyone in the world is hyper familiar with Dreadlines, the weekly video series from Dread Central, you know, going through all the best horror news headlines of the week. At the end of that, you always give a movie recommendation, and I kind of feel like we deserve one here today. Oh, I want God. like a famous Mary Beth horror movie recommendation, <coughs> even though you were not given any warning any wasn't. signal i wasn't any yeah sense that this could be coming your way and i think that that's beautiful because now you have to be authentic I do. and live in the now <laughs> okay <laughs> mm-hmm. so trying to think of a good vampire movie so it's at least oh, yes. on theme okay Very so i'm gonna recommend one that might be a little bit um controversial here Wow. But um, I'm going to recommend Daybreakers, the 2009 vampire film starring Willem Dafoe, who should play Nosferatu in the new one due to his performance in uh, Shadow of the Vampire, where he played uh, Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like a really wild vampire movie that... I am obsessed with. It's not like perfect, but it's really fun. And Ethan Hawke. I think I saw that one in theaters. And I remember, all I remember is that they do something different. (laughs) That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. Is there something like outside of the box when it comes to Daybreakers? Or does that mean anything to you? Yeah. So it takes place in like, not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but a society where a disease spread and gave everyone vampirism. And so the world is now, like, exclusively vampires with, like, rogue humans living on the outskirts running from vampires because the vampires are running out of blood. Uh Uh-oh. They're trying to make synthetic blood. And it's, like, not working. And then they find a cure. And it's it's wild. Cool. I should revisit that one because I think I saw it in theaters and never again since. And sometimes I like to think that Ethan Hawke is in it, which yes. doesn't feel correct. He, he is. is. Okay, good. Yeah, So, So clearly, slight memories I'm going to have to revisit it. Was there a sequel? No, I don't think so. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on yet another episode of Development Hell. We are so grateful and we love you. I love you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.